one that always sticks out in my Wait, mind, and I've I, shared this I, a number of times. Can I say it first? Water fight. Water oh. fight. Welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. I'm your co-host, Dennis. And I'm your other co-host, Robert. And we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint or two of our favorite beers. So why don't you pour yourself a pint, pull up a chair, and listen in for the next little while. As we take the faith seriously, but not necessarily ourselves. And as always, if you want to take part in the conversation or have an idea for the podcast, leave us a comment or swing by our Facebook page and drop us a message. Dennis, buddy, how are you doing today? Good. Better. Better than last week. Finally, we're finally meeting, Robert. It seems thanks like be we, to God. Thanks be to God. Getting over this flu of mine, cold, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, no, uh, I, we were planning to uh, record last week, right? And you just couldn't. No, yeah, but, just feeling a little under the weather. Still a little bit under the weather, which probably gives me a better voice for the podcast. But um, yeah, feeling much better than uh, last week. That's for sure. I was. And yourself? Say, how's I, how's retirement treating you? If you can call it that. I would say what there. retirement? No, I keep telling everyone it's been a career shift. It a is. Career it shift. is a career shift. Well, but did busier you, you than officially ever. retire? But you you are busier than now. You are you're a shift. I'm going to call you a shift worker now, much like my wife who does shift work. You do shift work now, correct? Yeah. So as most people would know, anything that goes on in the parish is generally an evenings and weekend kind of position. So that's right. But it's all good, and uh, I'm absolutely loving it. Loving mm-hmm. being with the people of uh, St. Bernadette Parish, except for that one parishioner who seems to be a pebble in my shoe all the time. <laughs> I know. You finally, you finally got that one parishioner to come out and help on a night. So that was quite, uh, that was very, uh, I really enjoyed myself on that night with the RCIA candidates. Yeah, so I hear that guy's retiring that. soon, so I've got big oh, plans for him. I do. I can't wait. I'm going to be your administrative assistant. That's the only thing you're missing is a personal assistant correct that would be perfect the job would be perfect then i'd rather refer to you as my minion but uh no. yeah it would be a non it's just a title position yeah it's just a title yeah right. but you do need somebody to cross your t's and dot your i's because you are you're out and about a lot that's the thing is i am out in the schools teaching the sacraments right uh, for right now first reconciliation and for confirmation so it really does limit the amount of time i'm in the parish office like you say to dot t's and cross i's mm-hmm. uh, on all of the paperwork that's going on in there yeah because you figure that you're making as many phone calls in the church to follow up on things as you are meeting with kids in the schools correct like it's just it's just constant isn't it 100 percent, and a lot of that goes into ensuring that the sacraments are administered properly mm-hmm. right making sure that people are in the right place to receive the sacraments and a lot of it and i always say to them it's really for me to ensure that i can do the best I can to help them prepare for the sacraments, mm-hmm. right? So Absolutely. getting to know them, getting to know their situation, and everybody's situation is different. It's different, and yeah. that's really the pastoral work that goes into that. Is you know ensuring that everything is in place for these kids to properly make their spiritual journey. I say these kids because that's who I'm working with mostly. Yes. But when it comes to the RCIA, obviously it's adults. And again, making sure that they 
can make their spiritual journey properly. And we're Mm -hmm. all at different stages of that spiritual journey. But I just think without you, though, like I just think with the fathers there and two priests and often churches just have one. What a lot of work that is. No wonder they're hiring uh, lay pastoral associates just to take a little bit off their plate because it's just so much work. And I think that is just endemic of of the crisis of vocations. Mm-hmm. Because if you were to go back a generation or two, so when we were younger, you know, for yourself back in the days of black and white cinema. Yes. The Latin mass, go on. Did they have talkies back then, buddy? They did. They, they brought in the talkies in my childhood. But a, a parish the size of St. Bernadette probably would have had three or four priests there would have been a pastor mm-hmm. and at least two pastoralists uh you know what associate funny, pastors. funny you mentioned that just at the turn of the last century when i did uh, uh end up at saint bernadette's there were three priests robert you're absolutely right and who knows before that there might have been a fourth but yeah there were three priests right so they would have been able to to take up all of that so the position of lay pastoral associate um is really an associate pastor who just happens to be a layperson, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And taking up a lot of those pastoral responsibilities outside of administering the sacraments directly ourselves, right? So taking up a lot of the jobs that uh, the pastor would normally take on, right? But obviously not saying the mass, not hearing confessions, hearing confessions yeah, right, all of that. No, but I'm glad that the parish and the archdiocese recognized the need for this because they did take the these duties out of the school, which usually when I was teaching grade eight, you know, a quarter of a century ago, it belonged to the grade eight teacher, now grade seven, and the grade two teacher. So now it's within the school, correct? Correct. I, no, I mean, it's, it's, in, it's, the parish, a, it's yeah. in the parish, but it's a parish school partnership. Not right. every parish does that. There's some parishes where everything is done directly in the parish. We're very mm-hmm. blessed to have three parish schools where the administration and the teachers are wholly on board and actually excited to have us coming in. And they're participating in the sacramental preparation as well. That's so right. that helps on my end as well. Mm-hmm. And it's so great to see that uh, partnership. But that being said, not every teacher, and you and I both know this, having Mm -hmm. been in the profession for Mm -hmm. 30 years, pretty much each, not every teacher is either equipped or comfortable teaching the faith, just because that's not their background. Never thought about that. That's probably the reason why they moved it into the parish, correct? So they could have somebody with the background in that to lead it. Yeah, Correct, because not all teachers are coming into the profession, even in the Catholic school system, from a theology degree or from a passion even of the faith. Right, right. Right? It's not to say that they're bad Catholics. It's not to say that they're they're not practicing their faith. Mm -hmm. It's just to say that that's not their forte. That's all. Yeah. And I'm just wondering if, yeah, Catholic still, for the most part, I'm just wondering, could there be non-Catholic? teachers in the system leading there those are. I, okay there are. so there you go so it's there best are. to have it through the parish anyhow my beer is getting warm well here, and so. just before we get to the beers i wanted to show you buddy i did put it out on the social media earlier Excellent. today but i have on here my pint, yeah, the pipe pint, and, pipe cross and cross you haven't t-shirt. worn that in a while and when are you going to buy me a pint pipe and cross t-shirt it's only been ah. five years since you've had that at least longer longer Jeez. i actually need a new one uh, this one's starting that. to come a little holy. Christmas. Wrap that up for Christmas for me. I'm all I'm good to go. Do I need to launder it first? 
<laughs> yeah, I would. If you could launder that, that would be great. No, or let me know where those are because I'd yes. like to get one. They're so nice. over at Monk Rock, uh, I think it's monkrock.com. It's been so long since I've picked one up. Um, they did have them there. That's where it comes from, Monk Rock. Okay. Uh, but I'm not sure if they still have them available. So we'd have to head over to their website later to check that out. Check it out. But yes, all of this uh, rambling, getting thirsty. What do you have for us today, sir? Um, I have a, I picked up a six pack of Belgian uh, Abbey beers and I've got the weakest nice. of them all. The blonde Augustine. How would you pronounce that in Dutch? Is that Dutch or is that yeah, uh, uh, Flemish? Uh, uh, that would that? be Flemish, which is yeah. close to the Dutch. I would say Augustine. Augustine. Uh, like I, I don't speak Flemish. Netherlands. I don't speak Dutch, but it would be close to the same Augustine or Augustine. And the year is 1295. I bet you your beer's not. Wasn't that the year you graduated from high school, buddy? <laughs> Myself. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you said that's the weakest out of the six pack. That's the weakest one, 7%. That's the weakest one I could find. And so for myself today, I have from the the Mico Brasserie de Beaupre, which is just down the road from St. Anne de Beaupre. Oh, you're still bringing out those ones from the summer, right? Good for you. So Route 138, Route 138, um, which is a double IPA. I had these set out the other day. And usually when I have these beers, I will have two of them. I had the first one. I said, this is so good. I want to highlight this on the show. So the double IPA, Mico Brasserie des Beaupres, Route 138, clocks in at 8%, buddy. Oh, buddy. See, I could have done a 10.5. I didn't want to show you up. You're not we'll driving anywhere after, later. are you? Yeah. Now, I usually say my IPA days are behind me. Mm-hmm. That's always my, my summer go to the IPA. But I had this about a week ago, and I said, yeah, I need to highlight that on the show because it really is an IPA for a dunkel kind of day. Mm, got a nice uh, color to it. Not that we're having a dunkel day. It's a, a little bit hazy. It's got that little yeah. bit of extra in it. Yours is a nice blonde. I'm like, Yeah, mine's that. got that nice. And I'm going to read mine now, too. Authentic blonde, high fermentation monastery beer enhanced by re-fermentation. That's interesting. I've never heard that before. Three different varieties of yeast ensure outstanding flavor with a fruity touch. Not crazy about the fruity touch. That's really your touch with the IPAs, but nonetheless, we'll see how it goes. Am I allowed to drink or do we? Well, we got to say prayer first. And uh, whose turn is it? I believe usually when it's the two of us, you're the one that's on for prayer. Do you have that handy, pal? I do, sir. Yes. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless, O Lord, this creature beer, which thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain, that it may be a salutary remedy to the human race, and grant, through the invocation of thy holy name, that whoever shall drink it may gain health and body and peace and soul, through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Cheers, Cheers. buddy. Uh, Just as I remembered it. Oh, man. Nice full flavor Mm. i think you would maybe even like this but it's too bad it's the last tin i have of that yeah there's a bit of a weedy flavor to it as well yeah and i'm picking up that fruity that they're talking about no but not over fruity that's really nice it's too bad it's um two-thirds the size of yours because it'll probably go two-thirds as quick but i would say it'd probably go faster and that kind of yours really ipa is sorry robert is yours 
No. It's a little bit less IPA-ish? It's maybe? less IPA-ish. It's okay. not as sour. Like I said, it has a little bit of that, that full weedy flavor to it. Right, right. And it's got a nice full body where an IPA, sometimes it has that sour crispness yes, to it. Yes, yes. Yeah. Where this has just yeah more body to it. So that's what I said. It's more of a fall IPA nice, nice. or a dunkle day kind of, of IPA. With anything with a weed is good for me. I enjoy my reapers. So what do we got on the show today, sir? I wanted to bring this subject up, and it's a subject that I've been mentioning to you now for a while that I, I wanted to talk about on the show. Do the red, say the black. Something that gets, it's like a bee in your bonnet sometimes, is it not, Robert? It's a bee in my bonnet most times. And a lot most of that, of I always like to remark, it comes back to myself. I do have a, a bit of a difficulty with scrupulosity. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you know, from having worked together for 10 years, I like to get into the details and I like the right. details to be just so, and I like things to work and go as they are supposed to. Mm-hmm. And I bring that with me to the mass sometimes. Mm-hmm. No, I, mm-hmm. not sometimes. I bring that with me to the mass all the time. Right. And so I recognize that part of the difficulty for me is my own scrupulosity and projecting mm-hmm. that onto others. But I think that, yeah, the, the details of the mass are there for a reason. And this has been simmering for a while. And just recently, about a week or so ago, maybe two weeks, because we were supposed to record last week until somebody mm-hmm. got sick. So let's say two weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, my wife said to me one evening as we're sitting on the sofa, she says, I, I thought of you earlier today. She said, I was listening to Father Mike Schmidt's Catechism in a Year. Mm-hmm. And this one would have been, uh, she's still catching up. So she's not on the most current one. It would have been from about a month or so ago. Um, but he was talking about uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, number 1125, which deals with the fact that we cannot change anything in the liturgy. We should not be changing anything in the Mass. Right. And so she brought that up because she says, I, I, I'm thinking of you because she knows how much it drives me around the bend when to s- steal a, a saying from George Weigel in one of your favorite uh, publications, First Things. Mm-hmm. It drives me around the bend when Father Freelance just starts going a little uh, rogue with some of the wording. <laughs> and it doesn't even have to Father, be overly rogue. Father Freelance, that's so good. You're not, not going to mention. You're not going to. Yeah, George. Uh, yeah, George Beagle. You're not going to mention any names here, or any examples, Robert, in order to protect the innocent. Yeah, but listen, I, I want to know when you talk about scrupulosity. Yeah, that can get the best of us, certainly. But you know, where do you? Where does it cross the line into? You know, certainly wanting the mass to be in its original form and say the black, do the red, do the red, say the black, but not verge into the Pharisaic kind of, I have to follow this to the letter of the T in law, and, and then you're missing the whole, do you know what I mean? Like there's got to be hundred percent. I know what you mean there. Right. Yeah. And actually, I get what you're talking about, because there's been former priests that have gone into that 
and you're 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 deviating from the mass itself. You're adding your own little ad libs, and that's not the point. Like you say, and I did pick up that germ when you did. If you'd want a general instruction of the Roman Missal Robert, and anybody can pick that up. It's available on Amazon. It's not just for people, uh, you know. In the oh, you can um, find it online. You can right. get a PDF of the general instruction of the right. Roman Missal. Right. And it's fascinating. It's really good. Like it's, it kind of, and that's the point of it is when I do go abroad and go to Brussels, or we were lucky enough to take the trip to Anguilla and I go to, like everything is the same, except for the language, correct? Like that's correct. the whole point of this, right? Oh, and even then, most of the language is supposed to be the same because if we were to go back to Sacrosanctum Concilium, mm. Uh, it says that Latin is supposed to be the predominant language of the Mass and that it's the pastor's responsibility to ensure that the faithful understand the Latin, but that the vernacular can be used. And I think there's a happy balance there. So it's not to go back to uh, the whole Mass being in Latin. Mm -hmm. I, myself personally, and this is just a personal opinion, for me, the readings in the vernacular, the homily in the vernacular, the prayers of the faithful in the vernacular, I get it, right? Yep. But there's some parts of the Mass, and you can start slowly if you want to reintroduce this into your parish. But like the Gloria, uh, the Kyrie, which is in Greek, actually, mm -hmm. um, the Sanctus, the Agnus Dei, right? Mm -hmm. These parts of the Mass... I think are easy enough to continue in Latin. And once you build that foundation, you can even add more of the Eucharistic prayer into that. And I think there's a happy medium to be found between the two of them. But to come back to your original point and your original mm -hmm. question about as far as where's the line where yeah. scrupulosity can Where come you're not enjoying play. the Mass, you're not there for the proper reason, you're just there to catch the priest out. And that's certainly where, where one doesn't want to... And yeah, up, right? and that's that's my own personal difficulty sometimes. Mm -hmm. But uh, Pope Francis wrote an excellent, excellent document, uh, which came out, and I'm just looking at the date, it's been out for a couple of years now. Mm -hmm. uh, where's the, the signature at the, the end of this I document? Think I read that the document is called uh, Desiderio Desideravi, mm -hmm. and my apologies to all those who know that my Latin is absolute trash. Mm -hmm. So this was uh, promulgated on the 29th of June, the Solemnity of Saints Peter and Paul in 2022. So it's been a year and a half. Okay. But he has one line in here that I, I highlighted and I wanted to, to bring forward. You know, the Ars Celebrandi, so the celebration of the Mass, the art mm -hmm. of celebrating the Mass, cannot be reduced to only a rubrical mechanism, mm. right? So we can't be so scrupulous as to be robotic in going through the rubrics. Right. Right. And rubrics comes from the Latin rubio, which means red, where you get the do the red part. Yeah. Right? So in the missal, that the, the big book on the altar that the priest is using to go through the mass is called the mm -hmm. missal. And in there, all of the directions for what to do are in red. All of the words to be said are in black. Hence, do right. the red, say the black. So right. it cannot be reduced to just a rubrical mechanism. We can't have it as a robotic automat. And there needs to be life in it. Right. But then he continues, much less should it be thought of as imaginative, sometimes wild, creativity without rules. Right. And as we get mm -hmm. to the end of this, I did want to 
bring forth a couple of extreme, extreme examples that I've come across in my time. Which I think you've mentioned at least one on the show before. Or maybe if two. Not, if, if not a couple. Yeah. Right. But Pope Francis himself says in the same document, and here I'm going to paraphrase because I can't find it right in front of me, he says, if the Mass is not being said properly, we're robbing the faithful of what they rightly deserve. Mm-hmm. Right? And there, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a paraphrase. But if the, mm-hmm. the Mass is not being said properly, then we are not giving the faithful, so the, the clergy is not giving the faithful what they deserve, which is a properly said Mass. Right? And in the document, he goes on to say, all aspects of the liturgy are to be taken care of. Space, time, gestures, objects, words, in all rubrics observed. So, okay, and there, here it is. So as mm-hmm. not to rob the assembly what is due to it, the Paschal Mystery. Right. Yeah. And that's Pope Francis, who a lot of people say, well, Pope Francis, this Pope, well, there it is in black and white and red. Yeah, and... Part of that and people that some people that get them knickers all in a knot with Pope Francis and that he's suppressing the Latin mass. But he's also saying that we should not forget our roots and that the mass should be said properly. Mm -hmm. And if it's said properly, according to the norms set down in Vatican II, Mm -hmm. you would have that Latin. And I have seen the Novus Ordo mass prayed according to the rubrics, prayed according to Sacrosanctum Concilium. Mm-hmm. And, and prayed in a way that is reverent and holy, but also accessible to everyone. Yeah. And, and I like the point with that Sacrosanctum Concilium Robert about the bishops. This is a this is something that can't be changed, right? It just can't be, you know, altered. Yeah. And so if you were to look at paragraph 22, part three of Sacrosanctum Concilium, Mm-hmm. And again, when I was making up the show notes, so I'm I'm going to ask uh, your pardon, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was making up the show notes, one small error, I went back and I was just checking it just before we got started. Right. So, Sanctum Sanctum Concilium, paragraph 22, subsection 3. Mm-hmm. No one, not even a priest, can make unilateral changes. End quote. Right. Yeah. So... It's not up to the priest to be making any changes to the actions that are going on. It's not up to the priest to be making any changes to the wording mm-hmm. that's there. And then, com- so coming back to Father Mike Schmitz and his. So, where catechism. would the changes have to be made? Like at a Vatican Council? It couldn't be like a Canadian Catholic of Conference bishops or American Conference of Catholic bishops. It couldn't be that, right? Well, it, ha- it would have it to be a be universal. A- it can be a national conference oh. of Catholic bishops, but for the changes to come into effect, they would need approbation. They would need approval from the Vatican. Oh, okay. And case in point to that is very recently, in the last couple of years, one word was removed from the collect. Right? We're at the end of the collect, and again, I don't have it in front of me, mm-hmm. uh, so to get the wording exact, I'm, I'm not going to get it. Right. But the end of that prayer, you know, we make this prayer through Christ our Lord in unity with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And it used to be one God, mm-hmm. where now it's God. Do you have a missalette in front of you, buddy? I do, yes. So can you just pull up any collect from any day? Yeah. 
Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. But it used to be one God. Right. And it was deemed that that was theologically incorrect, that it was saying that Jesus Christ was the one God above the Holy Spirit and the Father. Hmm. It was the connotation. So that word one was taken out. Right. By the American Catholic bishops, the Canadian Catholic bishops, and I would assume in Great Britain as well. So the, the English speaking world. Hmm. But when they did that, they had to go to the Vatican to, okay. to have the changes approved. Right. And it puts it more in line with the language that is used in, in other national conferences. Huh. Interesting. Okay. And that's where words that. matter. Yeah. Right. The importance of words that are being said. You know, when we say one God, are we referring to the Trinity or are we referring just to Jesus himself? And mm-hmm. so there can be some confusion that's that's there. Yeah. So let's Joe, get to Joe those... Catholic in the pew is not going to know to know no. the difference. Um, but those of us that know and think too much about this are going to know it. And in the same way, I've heard, and this is again where let's words get to matter. those egregious abuses that is that what you're gonna get to now? In, in, in just a, a moment, but I, I just want to come back to this notion of words mattering. Right. Uh, words do matter. So during the Eucharistic prayer, mm-hmm. all right, at the uh, final elevation of the Eucharist, behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Or behold him who comes to take away the sins of the world. It, it's, in the pre- it's supposed to be in the present tense. Mm-hmm. Because... And I've heard it put in the past tense. Well, does that mean he only came to take away the sins that came up to the point of the incarnation, the crucifixion and the resurrection? And so that means my sins are not going to be taken away? Right. Yeah, I guess. I never even thought about the different tenses. Right. So it needs to be put in the the, the present tense. And Father Mike Schmitz gets into this as well in mm-hmm. his podcast where he talks about the lex orendi lex credenda as we pray so as we pray the mass so our belief goes and it has an effect on on our belief right yeah and so those are just a couple of examples but yeah some egregious liturgical abuses that either i've experienced no Mm -hmm. no um in order to protect the innocent or the guilty in this case and some people who listen in might be able to put the dots together, um, but we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Um, uh, there was one article I came across, so obviously I, I was not present for this, but a year or so ago, as I read on the internet, and I'll, I'll put the article in the show notes for this, uh, there was an Italian priest who was on vacation somewhere in the south of Italy, and he was at the beach. And he held mass in the water using a floaty as the altar. Now, when he was called on it, the priest said, yeah, there was a uh, a lack of good judgment in that he should not have done that. He realized with hindsight that that was just so far out there. It never should just have Just for our, our listeners and myself, when you say floaty, what exactly are you talking about? Like those little... An, an air mattress. Oh, okay. Okay. An, an air mattress. Right? Yeah, so he, he had an, an inflatable air mattress mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he had it out in the water. I guess it was bobbing in the waves, but he used that as an altar. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That's not on. I've been on retreat with students, uh, and part of the retreat was a mass that was being held. Mm-hmm. And the priest got up to read the gospel. And he said, instead of reading the gospel today, I'm going to read this story from the internet. So just decided that the gospel of the day was not necessary, Mm -hmm. that whatever story he picked up off the internet was more important than hearing the story of Christ. And that's what you got back. That's your point with Pope Francis had mentioned just a few minutes ago about that. Yeah, absolutely. No, not on. And the one that always sticks out in my Wait, mind, and I, I've shared this a number I, of can times. Can I say it first? Water fight. Water oh, fight. It was Easter Mass. It was Easter Sunday Mass. And there's the rite of sprinkling at Easter Sunday Mass. And Father says something about, and he makes a baseball reference, I've got a bad arm. Can I have the confirmandi come up? So the, the students that are preparing for confirmation, come on up. I've got a number of different buckets with holy water. So the and the aspergillium, which we've had on what in the church is that? We have, yes. And he said, I want you to go out and you know, make sure you get your parents real good. So so and so that's in the front row. And as he sends them out to do the rite of sprinkling while he sits in the presider's chair, he yells, Dennis. Mm. Water fight. I don't believe this. I think you're giving to a little hyperbole here, Robert. No, 100%. You were present and witnessed this. 100%. I was yeah. there. And those that know of this priest, and uh, when I've spoken, I know with other, priest, yeah. spoken with other priests who know of him, there was no surprise when I shared the story. Hmm. Right. So we're just going to leave it at that. We will. And if uh, any listeners have any uh, egregious uh, abuses of the liturgy, please send them in and we might mention them on the next show. But uh, you've given us a couple of good examples there. So my my final just point before we move on here, Dennis, is how do we approach Father Freelance? Right. When we see these things. You know what? I think you did it once. You did it nicely. You were back in, were you not? Sacristy, where were you afterwards? And you just mentioned in a nice manner. But how do you do it without the priest getting their back up? You know, you, you know, getting our temperature, you know, uh, risen. Um, how do you do that? Right. Because yeah. really the priest is the only person celebrating Mass. But how do you put it nicely that, listen, I'm here not for you. I'm here to worship. I'm, I'm here, here for Christ. Christ and yeah. you are in persona Christe. And that's important. And so, the first part of that, and it's an ongoing thing that I'm doing, is to, again, look at my own scrupulosity. And I've had a couple of conversations with a couple of different priests over the last year with regards to this and with regards to my issue with this scrupulosity. And just for scrupulosity, when it refers to, and not Robert, but when it refers to sin, you know, you could have a lax conscience, which everything is okay. And there's no such thing as sin, or you could have a scrupulous conscience where everything you do is wrong, right? So this is kind yeah. of in that vein where and, and you're looking where at I'm a at lot of things mass. and maybe you're going over the top sometimes. So, but you're not, not sometimes, all the time. And okay. there's just and little things that set me off. And then, no, and that's good. And so when you spoke to this particular priest, what was. Well, okay. Well, I'm going to come back to just with regards to my own scrupulosity and the, mm-hmm. these two priests I've spoken with. One of them 
they both made very good points. Not one of them made a good point. The the first one mentioned that we need to realize that some of these priests, the time, the era of their priestly formation. So those priests who were formed in the 70s and 80s, mm-hmm. in when the spirit of Vatican II was running amok in the seminaries, right? Mm-hmm. They were trained to move with the spirit, go mm-hmm. with how the spirit's moving you. And he says, that's the way that they've been liturgically trained. Yeah, but then we could use the same excuse for us, maybe to a certain degree, growing up in the 70s with, you know, oh. the certain catechesis going what on. Ca- what we catechesis? Realize, well, what, there you what, go. What and, and you figured right? that out on your own. And these priests are certainly yeah. intelligent men, so that and might not hold as much water. But The other priest also, in having that kind of conversation mm-hmm. with him, um, he mentioned that, the priests are the one who have had the priestly formation. They are the ones with the masters of divinity. They are the mm-hmm. ones who have put in years at the seminary. Yep. As opposed to my Google research into mm-hmm. the general instruction of the Roman Missal. Right. So we there has to be some kind of humility on the part of the laity to say, yeah, father does know best or father should know best. Father should know best, I think, is the better way to put it. Right, I agree with you, but how does water fight come into that? Like, I don't understand how. Yeah, I mean, so do you excuse it, something what, like that, or no? No, you know. can't excuse something like or that. Or the floaty, no. And so, so it, it comes back to what you're you're saying as far as approaching that is, you know, go quietly one on one to the priest. And this comes back to the teaching of Christ. If mm-hmm. you have an issue with a brother or a sister, mm-hmm. right, go to them first. Go to them quietly. Don't make a big show of it. Don't stand up in the pew and yell, yeah. Father, you've got that wrong. Mm-hmm. You go quietly in the sacristy mm-hmm. and you say, like, listen, I've noticed this. And you try to find a way around things. So when it comes back to, for example, to removing the word one in the collect, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the conversation I had was, well, you were off on sabbatical when this was promulgated. So you maybe didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And yeah, things things went from there. Now, the next thing is, you know, have yeah, that's a nice way. I like the way you preface that too. So you kind of take the onus off the particular priest yeah. and say, "By the way, you might not have been here because you were away," type thing. So you're disarming the priest. I like that exactly. Now, if things continue, you know, have conversations with other lady that also have the knowledge, understanding, wisdom when it comes to the mass. And if they're seeing the same thing, well, then go as two or three and say, like, listen, I'm not the only one. There's there's a number of us in the pews who are noticing this. Mm. I, I, I like I like the way you speak, the way you say that there are a number of us. I don't know about going. I think a one and one is better. I would maybe get my back up if I was that priest and three or four show up. But if you say as one only yourself and say, by the way, a couple of us. Do you know okay. what I mean? That yeah, might you can be do that, and then less... have the yeah. I like what you're saying with that, and then have the yeah. others approach and have the same conversation. Absolutely, yeah. If he uh, as one on one, yeah, as one on one, so that he as does see to that four. Yeah, yeah you're getting yeah, yeah, four yeah, yeah. in the side. Oh, what is this? Is this an attack or something? Yeah, it's a water fight. That's what it's it is. But <laughs> stop. And then, like, finally, when when all of these things, and it, it can't be 
the first solution. And so often this, some people see this as the first solution is, is right. go to the church. So if you've gone, if you know others have gone and, and these things are still happening, the, the bishop does need to know. Yes. And okay. again, I yeah. think it's prudent to let Father Freelance know, like, listen, I've spoken to you. I know so-and-so has spoken to you and so-and-so has spoken to you. And we've pointed out where this is. If it does continue, you're giving us no option but to let the bishop know. Yes. Right? Um, I, can't, I still can't get over that Father Freelance. I love that. But let me ask you this then, Robert. If somebody has says to you, um, I am going to go to other churches while this is taking place. Is that okay? Or would you say better to address it or better to go to other churches and ride this priest out for a few years until he is moved to another I think parish? it's better to address it first, but then okay. you can say to the priest, maybe, like, unfortunately, I cannot worship here. Mm -hmm. And... I hate to say it because then it becomes consumer Catholicism mm -hmm. because I've heard others say it and it doesn't sit well with me. Mm -hmm. You know, me and my collection consumer envelope are going elsewhere. Yeah, going but, elsewhere. Uh, but at that point, it becomes you, you're falling into the heresy of Donatism where the sanctity mm. of the priest. And so all these little things, unless there is something egregious with the wording during the, the Eucharistic prayer, mm -hmm. it doesn't negate the the validity of the mass the mass right. is, still, is it the mass is still valid it's still the eucharist that's right? important so we, to remember mm -hmm. where there's some people who would look at these little things and say well because of these little things then the, that mass is not valid i will not partake no, in not, that mass. yeah not at all it's still very valid but right. it's it those little things add up though those little things get to you after a while we both know that oh Correct. yeah Oh yeah, but as long as the wordings that's that's being used mm -hmm. during the Eucharistic prayer is there, it's still the mass. Yeah, it's still the mass, right? And again, we have to check our ego at the door a little bit. And I know a lot of it's on me. I have Some to get have over to get this our ego through the door. But go on. Maybe that's why there's so much real estate on your forehead is that you're <laughs> that it's swelling a little bit, but. But no, yeah, it's important to at least don't stop going to mass. That's for sure. Oh, 100%. And, and, then, and then if it is that, you know, if there's no uh, dialogue with the priest, then certainly, you know, I think a lot of people do go to another church or church close by for a time being. That's not better to go to another church than not go at all. Exactly. But you know what? We exactly. usually see these things work themselves out because really, if a lot of people feel this way, and usually you're not the only one that those those uh, masses do thin out a little bit and you realize that this particular priest and, you know, thank God we haven't experienced this a lot, but this particular priest is not drawing people in because maybe they're taking a little bit more uh, liberality with the mass, you know, father freelance, so to speak. Yeah. And I have to say 99% of the time, even with father freelance here, right. there at all of the different parishes, I think there's only ever been once where 
I truly questioned whether or not the Eucharist was consecrated. Right. And that's right. an important point. We're talking about a very small minority point, right. like whatever, of, like yeah, percent. So, so minimal. So again, mm-hmm. part of it is just me having to get over myself. But again, coming back to what Pope Francis says, you know, Father needs to understand that he, he cannot rob the assembly of what it is due to it, mm-hmm. the Paschal mystery. Yeah, that's beautiful. Put well, well put by Pope Francis. Dennis, enough is enough on that. We need to move to our our next segment here, and we're going to get into our saintly sayings. We're going to get into our quotes from the saints. Saintly sayings. Did you want to go first, or did you want me to go first? Well, I had to take a little refreshment, because unfortunately, I did mention earlier on that I do have a smaller beverage than you, Robert, so I had to... I think you need to go second. back to our last episode with Trevor Gunlach uh, and how you need to, uh, when you have such a piece of artwork in your glass, you need to take the time to appreciate it for what it is. Yes. Or Can do you, you just blow that? through the art this is a <laughs> Okay, you got to go slow. A brune, so a brown, so it's a dunkel. It's a darker beer. Yeah. And can you read the bottom there? Your pronunciation. Bière de Monastère Beige. Yeah. Belgische Klosterbier. That's a cloistered beer for those English listeners. There we go. Um, so anyways, do you want to come up with yours first or do you want me to start? No, you go start because I will find mine on my phone. I had a few. It's always picking one that's a difficult thing. Just like what in the church is that? Oh, by well, the way, my son mentioned that that's a great little... Um, Got to start listening to our shows. You have a great little introduction to that. Robert, Correct. Yeah, and I wanted to talk about that, but we'll talk about it when the, the introduction okay. comes. Yep, comes so you go with that. your first one, and then uh, I'll get mine. When the devil tempts us, we have a strong proof that the soul is in a state of grace. And this comes from St. Alphonsus Liguori, whose name I always spell incorrectly. Mm-hmm. I always want to put the O before the U. So and St. Alphonsus, is he a recent? He's he's not that old, St. Alphonsus. The Saint last Alphonsus. couple of hundred years. Right, right, yeah. Right, so right, right about the time you were in uni. So, so when, when the devil tempts us, we have a strong proof that the soul is in the state of grace. Right, and this is just something that I'm constantly talking about, and I would even share with the students, was which I'm sure raised a few eyebrows in the classroom. But really, well, the fact it, that you mentioned the devil would raise eyebrows because people, what the devil? There's Satan. Yes. Well, and I've come across a couple of quotes on that recently, like Baudelaire, like the Satan's greatest ruse is having us believe that he doesn't exist. And it comes mm-hmm. back to uh, C.S. Lewis in the Screwtape Letters. Say, I was just about to say C.S. Lewis there, right? Yeah, and the, the Screwtape Letters and, you know, the Wormwood and the, the Senior Devil and the Junior Devil mm-hmm. and, you know, you know the the wisdom of the Senior Devil is, you know, make sure that they think that you don't exist, right? Yeah. And so I always say, if the, if you're not in spiritual warfare, if you're not under spiritual attack, mm-hmm. why is it that the devil doesn't think that you're worth attacking? Mm. Right? Why is yes. it that the why is it that the devil doesn't need to attack you? Right? And so the devil tempts us. And that's a proof that we're in a state of grace. That's a proof that we're on mm-hmm. the right track. Yeah, we're on the right track. 
And if anything, for myself, the spiritual warfare, the spiritual attacks come thick and thin when I'm beginning a new spiritual or a a new faith-filled adventure. So when I took on the job at St. Bernadette Parish, there Mm -hmm. was a lot of spiritual anguish. There were a lot of nights up in the middle of the night. Am I doing the right thing? Am I up to this job? Question, yeah, yeah qu- questions like that. Uh, and even there's been times of physical attack. Hmm. Now, he hasn't been setting our bed on fire like he did with uh, St. Jean Vianney. Oh, wow. Right? Wow. Thanks be to God, because I wouldn't want my wife to get trapped into the flames that I, I've, you know, I'm responsible for. Wow. Uh, she has enough problems just being married to me anyways. I mean, we all have our cross to bear, and hers is huge. Being my yeah, wife. Absolutely. <laughs> you didn't yes. have to agree with that, but she's a saint, Saint Ellie. On her way to sainthood. On her, yeah. I, I think I sanctify her every day. But again, it's when you know we've come out of confession. You know, on the days when we're going to mass, especially if we're going to, to a daily mass, on the days where we're performing some good work, right? One mm-hmm. of the, the corporal works of mercies or a spiritual right. work of mercy. It's really on those days that we come under spiritual attack. And like you said, it, a lot of times it comes from worry or self-doubt. And, yeah, and or fear. Yep. Right. Or it could be temptations. The, the devil knows the the weak part of our armor. The, the devil knows our, our Achilles heel. And that's what he's going to go after. Right? He's not going to go after the no. the things that you know we've managed to get under control. Right, right. And so if our weakness is maybe sexual temptation, he's going to put us into that near occasion to sin. Mm-hmm. Or if our weakness, uh, like myself, can be into the realm of gluttony, mm-hmm. right? All of a sudden, there's only two kids that come to the door for Halloween, so you've got... You know, 500 you know, this, yeah. pieces of chocolate kicking around the house. Yeah, right. absolutely. And you finish it in the one night. But no, I think that's a good point though, Robert. And, they, and the key point there is, you know, when the devil does tempt us, it means we are on the right track, right? We are, we are in a state of grace. Otherwise, he wouldn't bother with us. Otherwise, our conscience would be deadened. We'd have completely lax conscience. He wouldn't even bother with us. Yeah, And that, again, comes back to Christ, you know, when they were saying he casts out demons in the name of Beelzebul, and he's like, a house divided against itself is going to fall like a a stack of cards, Mm -hmm. right? What army mutinies, what army attacks itself? The one that's been split, divided, right? Right? Correct. Correct. And, And so, again, the devil's going to attack us when he's most afraid of us. Right. Yep. What about yourself, sir? What's your saintly saying? I don't know. There's just there's just there's too so many. You, can, you came up with so many, and I do want to go Charles Borromeo, Oscar Romero, Saint Albert the Great, Saint Charles Borromeo. Here we go. Can I, can, I was going to okay. I was going to ask, can we go Saint Oscar? We can absolutely. Only, and the, the reason why I'm asking for Saint Oscar is because yesterday was my nephew Oscar's birthday. Nice, nice. So okay. shout out to Oscar. Oscar, this one's for you, buddy. And this is a good one too, Robert, because I think sometimes, and and we forget about this too, and we both, you know, live 
well. I mean, we don't worry about where our next meal is coming from. We certainly don't wor- worry about where our next paycheck is coming from. My but son a lot is of supposed to do. cook tonight. I'm worried about my next meal. But you that's a whole, other, that's a whole other thing, right? Michael, do a good job. When the 19-year-old says he's going to cook, you worry. That's good. At least he's making that uh, attempt. That's excellent. A but church you're, that does you're, not... you're right, though. We, we do live in a very affluent way. It's okay. We do, yeah. St. Oscar I... Romero. Yep. A church that does not join the poor in order to speak out from the side of the poor against the injustices committed against them is not the true church of Jesus Christ. A church that does not join the poor in order to speak out from the side of the poor against the injustices committed against them is not the true church of Jesus Christ. And here's a guy seeing Oscar Romero, and you, we've all seen the film Romero, mm-hmm. but he was in tight with the elite, the military, when he was a bishop. You know, when he was first started out, he was in tight and he says, you know, I can either live this good life or I can actually put myself out there with the people that Christ would put himself out there with the poor. And he was martyred for that. So I think that's important to remember. Once again, a church that does not join the poor in order to speak out from the side of the poor against the injustices committed against them is not the true church of Jesus Christ. And can you tell me this, Robert, is there any organization, and I wouldn't call the church, that does more for the poor or has done for more for the poor in the last 2,000 years than the Catholic Church. If you can <laughs> name that, I don't know. No, and I, I would even say continues today mm. to be the 100. The, the you, you, while you work at up. the church, St. Vincent de Paul, and, and just, um, you know, any sort of food drive and clothing drive is... And I was going to say that's that's more evident now than ever before and my drive in especially when i'm driving in in the morning Mm. i'm seeing these makeshift tents made of tarp and blankets and whatever can be pulled together yeah and and you know what just it's getting cold out there you know what and just quickly for our listeners certainly that was a problem within the downtown toronto area for many years but now we're seeing it as we live in the suburbs of toronto we're seeing it more and more on the fringes of the big city as many people in the big cities in america and canada are probably seeing on the fringes you're absolutely right and we're seeing it more and more and i think the church has to certainly the church would be trying to do as much as possible for that and there's a lot of good organizations that are doing a lot of stuff for the poor but Jesus would be doing that for the poor, would he not? Oh, 100%. The difficulty sometimes lies in within the parish life itself is finding that balance and finding yeah. a way to provide that and to to be that voice for them. Yeah, that's a good point. Without losing sight of uh, the rest of parish life. Absolutely. Right. We're a church first. It's about worship, etc., and we do these good things because we should be doing these good things. But let, we're not—it's not just a charitable organization. The church, yeah, it's 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 a struggle. I, yeah. I can say it with parish life, key. it's a struggle. Yeah, and we see that on a daily basis in the parish office. And again, because to your point, the church is seen as that beacon of hope, the church is seen as that place that will stand up for the poor. Mm-hmm. The church is seen mm-hmm. as that place that will go out of its way to help the poor. Mm-hmm. But again, within parish life, trying to find that balance of being that outreach to the poor, but also being right. the place of worship and the sacraments. Right. 
and, and finding God in so the place. And you're right. We're, we're more than a food bank at the yeah. church. And you actually said that best the other day when I popped by the church to see you. You said to me, I, I got to get in the church. Like, it's right beside me, but I'm so busy. I need to get in for, you know, get on my knees in the pew and just, you know, uh, take a few minutes with with Christ because I'm so busy and I'm forgetting why I'm here sometimes. And I'm constantly going back to the saintly saying that I brought up a few episodes ago mm-hmm. where I cannot be so consumed by work that I forget that the main job is to get souls to heaven. Yeah, And part of that is that outreach as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, thanks be to God that the church is the body of Christ. It's the mystical body of Christ. And so there are some of us, like yes. myself, who are called to be the teachers of the faith, right? Mm-hmm. And yourself as well. In the school mm-hmm. system, myself, it's through the parish. We're called to be the teachers of the faith. And there are some who are called to the priestly life. Mm-hmm. Right? There are some who are called to the administrative life right. in the church. And there are many who are called to be the hands of Christ and bring that love out to the world through the ministering to the poor, to the outcast, to the marginalized. Yeah. yeah. We can't all be all things to all people. No, we can't. And think of all those beautiful religious brothers and sisters and priests that do that, you know, who are on the ground in places like Africa and other developing yeah. areas of the world. Yeah. And, and so the the big part is for the parish to understand its role, but then also then to understand and to direct people, here are the the arms and hands of the church that you need to go to to have access to what you need and for example you brought up the saint vincent de paul society mm-hmm. which are, are active in most parishes mm-hmm. i know it's very right. active in i want to say our parish at saint bernadette mm-hmm. right and again they they do such beautiful beautiful work absolutely so again, if you could yeah. read that quote just as we finish up absolutely and 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 just before I do again, do remember St. Vincent de Paul sometimes with our collections and our, you know, the plates that you you give your money to. Remember at the end of, as you're walking out of the church in the narthex, that there is a St. Vincent de Paul little deposit. If you've got a few coins, always put them in there if you can. A church that does not join the poor in order to speak out from the side of the poor against the injustices committed against them is not the true church of Jesus Christ. St. Oscar Romero. We used to call him Blessed Oscar Romero, and now he's saint in our lifetime. That's because you're getting old, Robert. So Anyhow. I'm just going to, as we finish that up, I'm just going to drop down the challenge to my nephew, Oscar. This is what you have to live up to, buddy. Absolutely, so. yes. And I th- I find young people are doing, do a lot for the poor. So that's I think we're in good hands. Um, so Dennis, now more. it is time for what in, in the, the church, church is that? And now it's time for What in the Church is That? Where Dennis tries to stump Robert. Hmm. Tell me what this... I want to hear this. I I need to hear this. I heard it's really, really good. I've played the music for you before. You've heard it. I know you like it. But just as before you get into what in the church is that, a note about the music, which you don't hear when we're recording because it's just too complicated to play it. And we just have the little pause and then I insert it afterwards when I'm editing. And I'm very simple. Don't comment on that. Never. But just before you get into uh, 
presenting me with this week's challenge. Oh, I thought uh, you were going to play the music so people. No, could, you, you, I can't do. But I you can't kind do of that. you let people you let our listeners to think that that you're going to play that for them. But I've already played the music for them because I've put it in when I was doing. I'm doing the editing work in the future, so it's a little loud. Is that? We were going to get. I it. played it back. I didn't hear it a little loud. So, mm. but we'll we'll ask the listeners if there is a problem with the music for what in the church is that? If it's too loud, if it blows your ears out, let us know. And, and your can, friend's name again? Who did that? Let's give him a shout out. So, I want to give a shout out actually to my buddy Rob, who did put that music together. But I'm also going to ask for prayers for Rob, and more specifically, I'm going to ask for prayers for my friend Rob's daughter Jordan, who just last week, and it was supposed to be. The day we were we were recording, mm-hmm. um, at a at the young age of twenty five, had a bad fall and actually broke her hip. And mm. the day we were supposed to be recording, she was in surgery to repair her hip. I remember you sent me that, Robert, and I'm just surprised at such a young age because usually when you feel you know you hear about hip breaks and stuff, it's just older people. It must have been a quite the accident. Yeah, so you better be careful the next time you're taking dicks before a walk there, buddy. Yeah, I know, which I am going to do in about 10 minutes. So um, but so if we can remember in our prayers, Jordan, and thanks to Rob for that music. And then just also, too, before you get started, very quickly, uh, I want to apologize. The last time we did this, you brought up the notion of humoral veil, and I said, no, we've already done it, when mm-hmm. actually we had not done the humoral veil before. Yes. We had spoken about the humoral Dennis, veil. memory is still intact. Barely. Yes. We had spoken about the humoral veil when you had mentioned the cope. And the cope, which is used in processions, is very similar to the humoral veil. But the humoral veil, which looks like a cope, is like an outer cape, if you want, that the priest wears when carrying the Blessed Sacrament. Beautiful. Let's hear it again. Dennis, you are right. I am wrong. Once again. Um. Robert, how did you know that? Did you I'm go back to say that? Did you go back through fifty episodes, or did you just? No, it was, it was just, it was the last episode. No, it was the last episode. You said oh. let's do humoral veil, and I said no, we've already done it. That's and impressive. And like at three o'clock in the morning, when the devil was attacking, it, that was one of the thoughts that went, "Oh yeah, we didn't do that," and I just realized that. So, and the but, devil attacks, and I was just what was I flipping through internet the other fiftieth anniversary of the Exorcist. And if you don't believe, you know, demonic possession, you know, watch The Exorcist. I mean, it, it exists. I mean, that that book and then movie is is something to behold because it's out there. So yeah. thank and God we'll it's not. And we'll just put a, a quick plug in for our good friend, uh, Cordial Ooh. Keith, the Cordial, Cordial Catholic. Cordial Keith. Yes. Uh, one of his more recent episodes, I think it's the last two or three episodes, he had someone on who trains exorcists or something along the lines wow. who, who who's very involved in the exorcism world. So I would suggest giving that a listen. Don't worry. They don't get into exorcism stories. They don't get into stories of possessions. It's not. Are we getting Keith again on the show? Shall one we? of these days. I mean, yeah, we have another Keith. Year? We have another Keith lined up for sometime soon. Again, I try to keep all of our guests with the name Keith. That way, you're not going to forget who who we who's have our on guest the show. this week, Robert Keith. Yeah, okay, Keith, good. Keith. We're good to go. Well, we have a Keith coming up next week. We'll be recording with our good friend Keith Nestor. Keith Nestor, that's a great show. I mean, he did a fantastic job last time. I'm looking forward to him again. Oh, 100. So, anyways, we digress. What in the church is that? What in the church is in Ordo? Please don't say I've said this before. No, you haven't said it before. Oh. But 
I'm really happy you've brought it up. Beautiful. So the Ordo is like a little notebook. Darn, and I thought I stumped him. No, no, a little notebook. And I would say it's probably kept in three places in the church. So there would be okay. th- at I've least got one three. here, but go on. Yep. There should be one in the sacristy. That was the one I had, sir. There should be one in the lectern. Okay. Mm-hmm. So where the readings are, are said from. Yep. And more than likely, Father has one in his office. And so the ordo is, you go through day by day, and it gives one page, and it outlines, for example, what color should the vestments be? Because that can change from day to day, depending Mm -hmm. on if it's a solemnity, if it's a martyr, if it's just a a ferial day in ordinary time, you know, Advent, Lent. So it would let Father know which vestments to put on. Oh, right. Okay. So that's at the top. In the Ordo as well, we'll have an indication of where to find the prayers for the Mass for the day in the Missal. So we'll give the page numbers within the Missal as to um, where to find that. And Father would have the Missal on the altar with ribbons and tabs and all of this. Yeah. And so that's in the Ordo. Uh, Also in the Ordo will be listed the readings of the day. And again, with the number in the lectionary along with the page number. And so the number of the readings is not always the same as the page number. Mm. So it has all of the information that Father needs for the mechanics of the Mass. Ordo, a liturgical aid published to foster the celebration of the liturgy. There is one on the sacristy counter. Well, Robert, I don't think we stumped you to this week. I don't know if we stumped you many times. Not many. Did you, have you been taking keeping count? I've just twice. been once or twice. I think you're at least. I think you're batting about ninety percent. Yeah. Well, one of us has to. I know. Why don't we turn the tables and do the opposite? No, I, I, you got to get me into retirement first. Because well, well, some people would say I am retired, but go on. Sorry. But you've been retired since I've known you. But the, <laughs> I've been through your classroom. Yeah, I've been through your classroom. Why is that person hanging off the wall? <laughs> so shout outs, buddy. Uh, shout outs, yes. Okay, you go to your shout out first because it's our one of our favorite people and our former guest. Uh the youth minister at St. Bernard at Parish, Monica. Monica. Uh, just a quick shout out to Monica, uh, who came back from mat leave back in October. And a cute little baby she brought into the church. Mariana. Yes. Mariana. And Monica has been my saving grace because anytime oh. I've gone to say, you know, how was this done before? She's been able to to help me out and to kind of point me in the right direction and, and how things are, are done in the parish. So a huge shout out to Monica. Thank you so much for everything you've done for me over the past months. You you really have uh, managed to to keep me on track. And then also, too, with regards to keeping a parish on track, uh, another shout out is to all of the Mm. parish volunteers. Not just the volunteers at St. Bernadette Parish, except for that one guy that helps out with our CIA. Um, (laughs) But parish volunteers everywhere because it Mm -hmm. truly is the volunteers that help keep a lot of the things at the parish running and from everything to you know setting up the flowers in the sanctuary Mm -hmm. 
to different programs that go on in the evening. It really is the volunteers that help make it happen. Uh, just along that line and to finish up too with the notion of volunteers, I've heard it said that 7% of the congregation do 100% of the volunteer work. Yeah, that's that's a great point, Robert. And and you would have seen it up at your parish at Immaculate Conception. Certainly you see it more now Everywhere. at St. Bernadette's. And you just realize the, the church does people. not exist. The church does not exist without those volunteers. It's incredible. I mean, when we get the bulletin every Sunday and they go through the, and I see all the volunteers, it's incredible how people give up their time. It's amazing. Monica's amazing. I wish she'd, you know, be a little bit more pleasant. I'm joking. Isn't she always in the best of moods, Monica? She's always pleasant. She's always, she's the perfect person for that youth ministry position. Oh, for I sure. Have, for sure. I have a shout out as well. Just okay. As we end up. Because Robert wasn't there last time, although we've gone to these conferences before. We're going to give a shout out to St. Augustine Seminary in uh, Scarborough, just east of Toronto. And the uh, the people that lead that, we're talking about Christine. We're talking about Cher. Don't say it, Robert. And we're talking about uh, people like... Was Sunny there as well, buddy? <laughs> we're talking about... Patricia Murphy, one of the professors, and we're talking about Father Kevin Belgrave, who led the last. But these these conferences, these talks that they give, they've got retreats for Advent and Lent throughout the year, and they're open to the public. And it's a beautiful way to spend a Saturday if you ever get the opportunity if you're in the Toronto area. Yeah, for sure. If you're in the Archdiocese of Toronto, look up St. Yeah. Augustine Seminary. Uh, all the stuff that they have for the laity. It, it truly is amazing. If you're not in the Archdiocese of Toronto, I'd look into your Archdiocese. I'd look into your local seminary because yep. I would guarantee, I shouldn't use the word guarantee, but I would guarantee that there is something out there for the laity. And again, these things don't just happen in a vacuum. There are people that work hard to put them together. So again, thank you to Christine and Cher and Dr. Murphy and Father Belgrave for all of the hard work that you do in providing these spiritual outlets for the And lady. we've been to so many. Robert, you've been to some with your wife for retreats, but they've all been fantastic. There's a small fee if you do the day retreat if you just do a, a talk in the morning there's no fee at all but they're always well attended they're a great way to keep the faith up i mean sometimes parishes can offer these so the archdiocese which is you know the seminary which is just east of toronto offers them and they're well open to all yeah it's and great it's great an last absolutely time. beautiful build, and i'd like to take and... my friend robert but he's so busy with his job the parish evenings and saturdays that he can't seem to find the time but i will go and take notes for you i did take notes for you last time but yeah, and talking about time here, Dennis, yes. as always, the time seems to have flown by, and my hourglass is empty. I want to say for the first time, I've outdrank you, but you're already on your second one. Yeah, but don't forget, let's tell the listeners, you did have a pint, and I did have a uh, small glass of beer. So yeah, I'm about halfway through my second small glass of beer, which is almost the same as a pint, but it's always a pleasure, both the pint in the conversation, Robert? Well, again, especially the pints. My Route 138, Route 138, did not disappoint. Again, just uh, a more full-bodied IPA, mm -hmm. uh, which I would suggest if you're in the Quebec City area, make your way out along the 138 on the North Shore, Micro Brasserie des Beaupres, and pick up some of this exceptional beer. We should do an episode just in French, because, you know, I do... There we go, Mr. Um, Duolingo. Um, yes, but it's always a pleasure to talk about the faith, the Catholic faith, Robert, and we, I think we, we touched upon a few things this, uh, this afternoon. 
Very true, very true. Now, just before we wrap up here, Dennis, perhaps there's just one small favor we could ask of our listeners. If you could take a quick moment and a couple of clicks to follow the Pints and Pews podcast on your favorite platform and give us a review. While you're at it, give us a like on Facebook, drop us a line there, or at pintsandpews at gmail.com. We always enjoy hearing from our listeners. And we'll chat again soon, my friend. And please feel free to stop by catholicmoment.ca and peruse our, and check out our Pints and Pews caps and one of Robert's books, which Thank are you. always available. Thank you very much for that mention there, buddy. And also, too, when it comes to social media, if you're more into the Twitter or the, the platform formerly known as Twitter or Instagram. Are we on X? Yeah. But under, ca- under Catholic Moment 7. Wow. So kind of the, gotta, my, my umbrella ministry of Catholic, Catholic Moment, Moment 7. So Catholic Moment 7. Catholic Moment was taken. I wear number 7 when I play hockey or something. What, what do you so. mean Catholic Moment was taken? You had Catholic Moment. You didn't get that That's domain? Yeah. Well, you know, some of us slept in that day. <laughs> so anyways. Catholic Moment 7. I love it. I got to get on social media one day. So you I'm can find to... us at the platform formerly known as Twitter there or Instagram, Cat- Catholic, Moment, Catholic 7. Moment 7. I am planning to get on MySpace very shortly, Robert. How about ICQ? <laughs> Anyways, def- yep. Dennis, finally, why don't you remind our listeners of the wise words of G.K. Chesterton, which are on my t-shirt today. Yeah, which we definitely want to get a t-shirt for uh, Dennis as well. In Catholicism, the pint, the pipe, and the cross can all fit together. God bless. Take care, my friend.